friends! Welcome back to another exciting episode in this spooky season October mega marathon of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief introduction before today's wonderful, stellar, exciting, and scary episode. Uh, guys, we hope you are enjoying the October Mega Marathon as much as us. We have put a ton of work in, but it's a work love because we love you guys. So if you would be so kind, man, share all the stuff on all your social media. That means the world to us, right? Easy way to get people out. Another free, easy thing you can do. Leave those ratings and reviews wherever and everywhere you find podcasts, right? Uh, the YouTube Film Alchemist, the email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, and subscribe and get a hold of us. Guys, the most important thing, we've done the work, 31 days, 31 pods, but if you want a podcast every single day this month, you must go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. That's right, we're on Patreon. And uh, three of the movies over there, right? Your two Patreon exclusives that you get as a member every month. We have a massive library growing over there full of great, wonderful episodes. You also get a feature-length commentary, guys. Uh, you also get to help pick and select and vote the movies you want. Uh, we stuff stockings in Christmas. We do themes throughout the month. So that is the best way to support the show. It's also the best way to make the show exactly what you want and deserve. Again, that's patreon.com slash Pod for a couple little shekels. That's it. That's it. You can get in see what we're doing we greatly appreciate it especially in october more than any other time all right you're not here for that you're here for jessica rose one of our oldest friends um we talked to jessica several times and it's always a delight this time was extra special though jessica is a new mom to a wonderful happy healthy baby um brand new mom right so you if you've had kids you know you kind of get in this baby jail thing um so it's nice to finally get a reconnect with her i can't begin to express to jessica how much I appreciate, um, one, her patience, she'll know what that means, and two, uh, the fact that she made time out of her very busy schedule to come talk to me about uh, a wonderful movie, Adam Wingard's The Guest, with the ever-beautiful Dan Stevens, too beautiful, question mark. Um, Jessica is just delightful. I love watching movies with Jessica. It's, it's like going home, right? It's a warm, cozy place. She has a, a wonderful lens with which she watches movies. So I always feel like, she illustrates something to me that I may have missed or maybe just turns it just enough so that I can see something in a different and or better way. Um, so again, just thank you to Jessica for making the time. She's one of our absolute favorite people. Make sure you check the show notes so you can find Jessica all over the internet. Uh, you can thank us later. That said, enjoy the guest with Jessica Rose. Welcome back to the show, guys. Our friend and the coolest new mom on planet Earth, Jessica Rose. Welcome to the October Marathon. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners today and uh, let them know the movie you brought for us? Yes. Thank you so much for having me again. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> um, my name is Jessica Rose, and I'm a horror writer, artist, um, and just basic a collector. So anything that has to do with horror, I love it. Um, so I brought, um, 2014's The Guest, directed nice. by Adam Wigard. Um, it's a fun little thriller. It's got a Halloween backdrop, so I thought it would be the most appropriate 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think this is a, an awesome movie because while it's not exactly a horror movie as you think, this movie is scary as fuck, honestly. And it's kind of buried beneath this like thin candy shell of fun madness, right? This movie is really emotionally devastating, which I was not prepared for on this viewing. <laughs> That's the best kind of horror movie or or any kind of movie one that makes you go into it thinking it's one thing and then completely yeah. tears you apart. Yeah. So the setup of this movie is it, this is kind of the slowest moving home invasion movie of all time, right? The be careful what you wish for horror movie. It has a lot of those kind of things, right? The, the backdrop of the film is we see this family grieving over the loss of a son who is a soldier, right? Lo and behold, a knock on the door. This beautiful stranger arrives almost off puttingly beautiful and charismatic Southern gentleman knocks on the door, right? Uh, he was in the army with the friend. As you're watching this unfold, what are you thinking as you watch this guy come back in at, and kind of have this meeting with this mother who is obviously really dealing with a lot. What are you thinking as you watch that? Off-puttingly beautiful is right. I think that that's <laughs> why he gets away with almost yeah. everything he does. <laughs> I don't trust people that are that beautiful. How yeah, did you Dan, obtain that? <laughs> Dan Stevens is one of those guys, like, he's not my type physically. Yeah. But because he is so beautiful, you're like, oh, I would yeah. make, I would be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him in other movies. My beauty meter did not notice at all. This movie, I was like, holy shit, what happened to Dan Stevens? Like, I would accommodate Dan Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) he is so off-puttingly charming and charismatic. And Mm. so obviously she does let him in. Um, I think it really plays well on um, something we discussed on the Creep episode where – sometimes that we see a villain take control because people want to be polite they want to have good manners they want to you know it's it would be rude to be like what the fuck are you doing here get off my porch and slam the door shut or just be like not interested no like i i have a hard time sometimes hanging up on telemarketers because i know it's another (laughs) person on the other line that is something i got over a couple years ago and it's great it's just (laughs) great you don't have to yell obscenities and ruin their day. Just press the button. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even that, I feel guilty where it's just yeah. like, you know, you just, it, we're all programmed to be yeah courteous to one another, or at least, you know, most of us are. Oh, um, yeah. We no, try I to be. Well, you, you, you've been in those situations, right? Everyone can probably relate to that. You've been in a situation and the weird, awkward thing happens or like a fight's about to happen. Something weird, right? If you look around the room in that moment and you lock eyes with, you know, 80% of people, they are trying everything in their mental power. How can I make this weird thing not exist in my reality, right? We have a very don't rock the boat as a society, right? If I mess with this, then it's going to spill into my day, and I don't want that. I got enough shit going on. So there is something to that. I think the other kind of nefarious subtext of this moment, anything she does to him by proxy, he's become this avatar for her dead son, right? If she slams the door in her face, she's slamming the door in this memory of her lost son, right? Absolutely. It's, uh, would you want somebody to do that to your son? No. No. So you would like if somebody, like, she's putting herself in somebody else's shoes. It's all very human, uh, yeah. which is funny because it's like the opposite of human. Yeah. Uh, it's so scary, too, because she's the only one in the family that feels like, 
she's so invested in him being good, right? This is her her second chance moment. Yes, right. Yes. That somehow by helping this this man in this moment, she'll somehow I, I don't know if it's take a holiday from her grief, right? But maybe make up for a mistake she wished she had, right? I think that's one of the hardest things when you lose someone is you're like, fuck, I would have done, and you run through the laundry list, right? As you think about your interactions with them, all these different things. And we we get no context. This movie is really light on exposition and filling in the the holes for us, right? This is this is a an absolute bobsled of a movie just rushing towards the end. So it gets to that point where we're sitting there and we're, we don't know why she is being so nice to him. Would you let this guy in your door, Jessica? I would let Dan Stevens. <laughs> would you let like a 70% as hot as Dan Stevens random stranger into your house? Probably. <laughs> That's still pretty goddamn hot. I agree. <laughs> Dan Stevens came into my house with the, or uh, came to my front door with those two grenades in his hand. I'd still be like, why don't you come on in? Yeah. 50, 50. <laughs> let me put those in a nice basket for you. <laughs> I'll put them in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> I I don't think I would let anybody in my house, but I would be somebody who's dumb enough to stand at the door and and let them talk to me as long as possible because I have done that before where you're like, that could have been a really bad situation. But now that I'm a mother and now that you put it that way where it's like, it's almost like the son that I lost is suddenly there. It's some, so it's the same kind of person it, it's he's the same age he's got the same mannerisms he was a soldier are you gonna shut the door on a, on a soldier no yeah. i like how unpatriotic uh <laughs> <laughs> it's activating all of her niceties right i'm a mother i'm a soldier mother <laughs> it's such an important part of the movie because obviously the beginnings of a movie are always that important you know it, it really makes an impact because it does start right off the bat. There's no um, there's no super long lead in. There's no super like emotional scene or anything like that. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things Adam Wingard does as a director. All He really trusts his audiences to be smart. Yeah. Um, so he just gives you enough, you know, you can see there's obviously like there's the shrine dedicated to her mm -hmm. son. That's a soldier, obviously. If you have a, a shrine like that, you can assume that that poor guy is probably dead. Yeah. Um, you can tell that she's grieving. She's upset. Um, and and then you have Dan Stevens knock on the door. And yeah. then it goes from there. And that's and it's yeah. one or two scenes. And I think that that's just brilliant work because we've got everything. And we can focus as much on Dan Stevens as possible. <laughs> Keep the eyes and mind focus on the important task. Yeah, well, it, it is one of those, right? So he he comes and he's got this essentially like fortune cookie message from her son, right? You know, mm -hmm. hey, ma'am, I was with him when he died. I'm, you know, he wanted, he loved you. He loved you. And it's like, she's like, excuse me. She goes and cries in the laundry room, right? That like 20 second cutaway, maybe not even that, right? That might have been like a 10 second shot. That's all we need. That tells you everything you need to know, right? And when she she re-fortifies herself to go back out and face this guy, it sets this wonderful stage. Because this, this is one of those things in in most horror movies, right? People get mad about, why would you do something so dumb? <laughs> and I mean, it's not a very interesting movie if people always made the best tactical decision, right? Fair enough. But on a, on a subtextual level, this movie does a really good job of explaining how this you know, 
av- like this glacially paced massacre occurs, right? And I, I think just that that little break, right? And then she comes back and we can see she's in, right? Even when the dad gets home, he's the audience again. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you letting this fucking creep stay in our house? And then eventually he just falls back into his routine, right? His grief thing is I'm going to ignore the problems and, you know, kind of have some drinks and do that, right? Dan Stevens slides right in. Hey, I like beer too. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's he's on the couch. And so his version is almost sadder than the mom's, right? She's trying to rebuild her son through this guy, right? He's just almost talking to the empty space that was on the couch. You know what I mean? Dan Stevens almost becomes this, like, ghost of the son he lost, and he just kind of is, hey, look, football. This this feels like what used to happen, right? And so mm-hmm. he's in this kind of, like, half-sober state trying to pretend it didn't happen. And so you're watching the, and this is something you'll see, too, now that you have a kid, right? There are so many movies you're going to watch that totally change now that you have your own child, right? It's just one of those things that you can't avoid. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. I think this is one of those things. When I watch this now, I'm I'm really hyper-focused on how these parents are dealing with this movie, right? Because I think that's, like, the obvious thing. Is you'd be like, these people are terrible parents. And you're like, I don't think they're terrible parents. I think they're fucking heartbroken parents. They are. They're just heartbroken. They're just looking to fill that void. And they have by the grace of God, something that fills that void, they didn't even have to do anything to yeah. get it there. Yeah. Um, so, and, and it, it is, it's really upsetting. And it's a, it's a really interesting look at grief because that, it, I feel like it's a very, like, we see grief and trauma dealt with a lot in horror, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a really, it's a very real stable way of looking at it. Um, yeah. It's not super heightened where like, you know, like hereditary where it's just like, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even look at this. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't underplay it either, where it like you just have people who are like, oh, yeah, come on in. And it's, a, you know, a half-assed uh, movie. It's um, it's real. And you can see, like, you know, these are people that have moved on. They do live their lives every day. and But there is that that horrible thing that's happened to them that is in their house it's in their everyday lives and mm-hmm. he's come and he's filled he's the replacement son so yeah. um yeah it definitely it definitely plays on your heartstrings and i definitely notice it a lot more now that i am a parent yeah. i know at one point i i think we were talking about trick-or-treat and i was like oh i love a movie that kills the kids yeah like, oh, <laughs> now i'm like oh my gosh yeah you're like you took something I loved away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I made the mistake of watching The Hollow yesterday. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, the fairies took the baby. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a real thing, man. I I remember watching one of the most devastating things I've seen in like 20 years. Uh, was the first season of that BBC show Broadchurch, right? David Tennant and Olivia Coleman, they're detectives. They're in this seaside village, right? And a, a child's dead body's found on the beach, right? And then we unravel what happens. Through the course of that, they talked about when these child deaths happen, right? There's something like 80 or 90% of the, the families end up disintegrating because the parents see see the, the dead child in each other and everything in their home becomes this kind of nightmare funhouse mirror of something that was good and now only reflects horror, right? And that that concept sat with me so heavy, right? And I think you see this not as, you know, it's not is pressed upon you as it is in Broadchurch. But you see this thing, right? Because, um, you know, Anna, when she's at the park with her boyfriend, she has this great line where she goes, 
Um, we're kind of getting it back together. We don't need this opening, opening walking reminder of the wound, right? We don't need this, yeah, guy walking around reminding us what happened. And I was like, that is such a beautiful sentiment that sets the tone for this whole movie, is everyone is in this state of denial. And now it's become even more sad because now it's not denial, it's almost rewriting of their history, right? And I think that sets the tone for the decisions in such a way that the movie can get as crazy as it does without becoming without straining your accepting of the story, right? Yep, I made a note of that line too because it's pretty much the thesis of the movie. Um, and even though I, it's a terrific script, it's it, I've got no problems with it, but it is, it is somewhat basic. Um, I think that that's like the deepest line. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it does kind of go, it shows, where did I write it? I was like, it's, um, he's like a double-edged sword yeah. for grief. So it's, you know, it's great that they can move on and uh, remember, you know, it's always like wonderful that you have like these wonderful memories and it's, it's good that you guys can push through as best as possible um, because some people can't even do that. But then it's also really painful to Mm -hmm. um, remember and it's also painful to move on. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, no matter what. And I think that that's where they are at and now they are and now and it's just tighter because now they yeah. actually have him there yeah and it, it becomes this thing right like if there is you know pain or grief or you know personify that as a monster right you turn your back on that and who knows what's going to happen right and that's kind of what they're doing in this movie so it, it has this really sad inevitability feeling to it right because even a moment right when she sends uh david to go pick up her son at school you're like, that seems like a lot right now. Like, maybe let's have them, like, talk more than, like, for a sentence before we're, like, friending them. <laughs> and then that's the scene where the movie kind of all starts to turn, right? Is he realizes the kid's been bullied. He picks him up. He's like, I'm going to follow these bullies to the bar, right? And this scene is fucking awesome, right? I love this bar scene. Um, but this is kind of the the great example of what this movie does. Is you're like, okay, this seems logical, right? Let's confront the bullies. And then you're like, but this is happening in a way that's not okay, right? Like something (laughs) extra. So by this point of the movie, your brain is just churning. Like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? As he orders, you know, pink martinis and blowjobs or whatever. What do you make of this this fucking roadhouse moment? (laughs) Roadhouse, that's such a good way to put it. It's so roadhouse. Um, It's, it's. It's the pivotal scene, right? It's the one that's gonna shut. Like it's the the big rock that, like you said, this is like a like a snowball movie. Uh, so yeah. this is where we hit that like that little steep hill and just yeah. keep going because <laughs> <laughs> now we see what he's capable of, uh, uh, what he's about, like what he's allowed to do in public is what yeah. he's showing us. So he's just letting it go. Um, I really love a scene where the bullies get what they deserve so that's always good and i think that everybody really likes that i mean it's you don't want anybody to get hurt which you know yeah obviously don't want any of these kids to get killed or anything like that but yeah maybe just hurt right like i think some bullies (laughs) could have their their heads knocked around a bit like hey come on yeah yeah everybody snap the fuck out of it right like not like maimed but yeah (laughs) which this is borderline a maiming right like there's some like john wick moves you're like 
that kid's like 17, man. Like maybe slow it down a hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Calm down. <laughs> yeah. But see, that's what this movie does yeah. so well, right? It's a moment where you're kind of cheering for, yeah, get the bullies. But also you're like, he's drinking with kids. He's doing the, you know, cash is easy to come by. You're like that. Yeah. <laughs> even the even the brother's face where he's like, and I was yeah. like, thank you. That's exactly what I my, the face I made. And then, yeah, he's brutalizing these children. Yep. Right? Not like he just walked up and he's like, hey, listen, if you mess with this kid again, you know, we're going to have problems. Then they get up and he smacks him around a little. This was <laughs> this was almost some kind of like scalpel-like bullying of his own. Right? right. So right. It, it is. You're cheering. And also you're like, that's not right. <laughs> and that's and that's And that's perfect because that puts us in – luke's position because you Mm. can see that he's almost on he's thinking that he's like this is so cool awesome i trust this guy and so that's where we're at but we're also like oh but there's something wrong about this and yeah we'll just sleep it under the rug because it's dan stevens we're not gonna we're not gonna rock the boat too hard we're gonna gonna ignore it um and i'm gonna (laughs) let this guy save me and i'm gonna let him be cool and you know yeah protect me I, I do think that Luke and David's relationship is kind of the the secret weapon of the movie, right? It adds this extra level that lets us kind of sink in on an empathy level with the movie that I think a lot of movies like this just kind of miss, right? Um, like, obviously, when we get to scenes like him coming out of the shower all fucking steamed up, I was like, yeah, that's fucking hilarious. And why not? If you work that hard, show it off, right? Put your little towel on. <laughs> You know, I was like, what a fucking dirty dog David is like, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I just steamed the whole bathroom up. My bad. Good load. Right. (laughs) You know, and then we're like laughing at that. And then we're screaming at the mom who's like, take the, you know, who looks like a 35 year old Marine to the 20 year old drinking party. What? (laughs) So there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the movie. Right. But David and Luke give us this moment where Luke is just such an empathy. Well, right. He's just this kind of he has these like little puppy dog eyes. And you just see he's bullied. He's lost his brother, right? Like, things are just not good for this kid. And so you want that relationship to work out, right? So I, I think a lot of movies like this would just focus on the the universal soldier karate chop action. And they forget <laughs> that extra layer. And that empathy is such a, a key ingredient to the best kind of horror, th- horror rides, right? If you don't care about anything that's happening or to anyone it's happening to... It's really hard to sink into past a a blood splatter level, I feel like. Yeah, and I like that he his character, David's character is is very anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um and what we see a lot in, you know, in movies and um in books is what we see the anti-hero lean more towards the good side. Um, but he leans more towards the bad side. And yeah. I because like <laughs> it's different, you know, you're always expecting you know, you're you're expecting that kind of archetype to, you know, have like have some sort of moment where they're, you know, they're the good guy really in the mm. end. But David does not become that at all. Um, and that's what I think is probably more heartbreaking. And that's what you you're wanting so bad for Luke is for this guy yeah. to, you know, just come and and live with them and be like his at home like Terminator. And he's yes. not. Um, yeah. He's, He's, he's you the want him to be like Frankenstein and Monster Squad, right? Just this like big <laughs> protector guy, right? That's what you're looking for. Um, see, even like the party scene, right? Which is fucking hilarious. Like, hey, where do you want these kegs, right? <laughs> it's like Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. Hey, do you know where the weight room is? Oh, okay. Uh, it's just fucking hilarious. It's a great moment, right? 
But this moment, I thought I thought the party was really interesting. They kind of deepened this thing. I thought his interaction with the kitty cat girl was really interesting, right? Because it kind of shows this this um, insidious side to his, you know, wish.com foghorn leghorn voice he's doing. Oh, hello. You know, because this girl, right? So they're at the party and, and her ex-boyfriend shows up. And he's obviously a pretty aggressive, abusive type of guy, right? And Dan Steven fucking smashes his head into the wall. And you're like, yeah. What you see as the movie progresses, though, is this is one of those examples of this is a girl who was hurt by someone, right? And that left a, a, a slash in her facade, as it were. And this guy who seems like he's protecting her uses that as his entryway to also hurt her. And I was like, God damn it. This movie is so much, to your point, right? Even politeness or this idea of people just floating around like, I need something to make this life okay, right? There's a lot of that in this movie, whether it's, you know, drugs or, hey, I can get you whatever you want. Everyone has this thing where by their interaction with David, he's going to fill a void somehow in their life. And while they think that that's a good thing, it's actually just letting, you know, the monster into the house. Exactly. He's using that to play on their emotions. Yeah. I don't know if it's programming or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he is a programmed uh, machine. Machine. Yeah. But he, yeah. he knows exactly. And it's it's it speaks to our vulnerability as as humans. All of us have some sort of void that we're looking to fill. And he's just really good at finding it. Yeah. Uh, when, unfortunately, when it comes to the women in this film, he's, you know carrying kegs and <laughs> coming he's out of a goddamn shower. just perfect 10 <laughs> that guy it's so hard to, to yeah put. he's a perfect 10 so you know it's yeah like, if he's easier on the eyes yeah he's yeah really and he's of- like oh my goodness tell me more you're like jesus christ stop dude i can't handle all this you're too good to be true yeah too no, good to be true i mean that that i think that's such a normal thing right i think so many of us do that like i don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me Mm-hmm. almost everyone you've ever known in your life who said that is the most full of shit person, right? Oh, gosh, people who yeah. love to scream, I don't <laughs> care what people think about me, care so very deeply about how others perceive them, right? Even that is its own fucking masquerade ball of, hey, this is what <laughs> I want you to think of me, right? It's not an earnest telling of a fact, right? And it's just who we are, right? We're we're social mammals. It's built into our very DNA. And I think a lot of this movie, right? So whether Caleb at the middle of the movie left this fucking void or not, or maybe this is just a family that's not as close as they want anyways, right? Uh, Anna's kind of 20 and pulling away. The dad and mom, you know, maybe are pulling away. Luke doesn't know what he's doing, right? So wherever this void is and however it formed, right? It, it is our our natural desire to put our things back in order, right? To not be on the outside, to not be alone, right? That's the scariest place for any human being is to be truly, truly alone and misunderstood, right? So I think, again, this movie, while on its surface plays like a made-for-sci-fi kind of, you know, action romp, there is this really deep and kind of scary examination of how we we exist in the world, yeah it's um you see the nuclear family broken um by something that is unfortunately very common is Mm -hmm. you know a a a son or a daughter killed off in war uh or killed off in battle of any, any kind and that's very very upsetting and um it's 
when you find like you know you have that the piece that's missing and then you find you find it you're gonna try and fit it back even if it's <laughs> not yeah. exactly not exactly whole you're gonna try and fit it in as best as possible to make you know the picture become one again so i think that that's what we see there and it's and it's a brilliant combination between that and and then let's throw in some crazy like schwarzenegger style action <laughs> and, right. And, right. and and make it like a, a modern a modern movie on its own like that's one of the things i really like about the guest is that you can see all the little influences and little homages to all these different movies and filmmakers but it never fully copies it never fully you know it's it's never fully influenced it's a it's a movie all on its own and i i like that about it so much it's unique it's cool and it's um and it's original yeah I thought that watching the bar scene, I was like, those are some evil dead whips right there. You know, like, I I think that's how all of art works, right? Is we are obviously we take all these things in, right? And some things really spark for us. And inevitably, you are a funnel with which to give that back to the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think when it's done well, it looks like this, right? When it's done bad is you're like, I get it. You just made straight to DVD, whatever that movie was, right? And like, that's not art as much as, you know, just parroting something back. Um, I think by the time we get to the scene in the quarry and David just fucking shoots poor Ethan Embry, right? <laughs> uh, I think we know it's going bad at that point. <laughs> We're like, this is not gonna, cause I do think that's one of the fun things in the film is you don't fully know exactly where the, the journey's going to take you for a good chunk, right? By the time Anna calls and it's like, call KPI. And they're like, oh my God, that's our subject. You're like, oh, okay, now I'm putting some things together. You know, he shoots the the doofus who doesn't know how to zigzag, right? And you're like, okay, something bad happened, right? This is some kind of experiment gone wrong. I thought it was pretty clever how they they kind of drew that out. So what did what did, what was going through your head as this this unfurling of David as experiment was going on? I do know that I love that that quarry scene because I love Ethan Embry, and I was like, oh my gosh, oh, Ethan Embry! <laughs> He's had a really nice resurgence. God damn, I can't. Remember. I think it was called the Devil's Candy. Do you see that where he was like? Uh, Yes. He himself was a Dan Stevens level ripped artist. Right? Uh, one of my favorites. Have you guys done that? We might have to do. We that. haven't. If you want to, you let us know. You can come back. We've not done that one yet. I want to do it. I'm telling you right now. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, definitely. And then and that like again, that's one of those things where it's like Ethan Embry is not so bad looking, uh, but the movie itself is really great. So yeah, he's had a really good uh resurgence with cheap yeah. thrills too he's done in that it. movie he looked like the thing you do <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't help myself i'm so sorry <laughs> like he, he almost took me out of it for one second that's the only thing that took me out of this movie is i was like where did ethan embry come from all of yeah. a sudden um that happens like, in some movies man <laughs> it just like i was like does he, is he like friends with people that made this movie? yeah <laughs> he has to be and they're like yeah come on set for yeah. one day we do you do fireball guy. shots with the producer of this movie and fight teenagers is that what's happening here <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i love it but he's only on screen for like you know because you know shocker 10 minutes uh, that would even be generous 
Um, because- I think that scene's like three minutes long, right? He's pretty much yeah. just like, I'll take all your guns. Oh, by the way, sorry, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and it's like, damn, dude. <laughs> the Southern gentleman. Yeah. Oh, I do line. declare. I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> I'll take all your guns and then I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, once you know he's stockpiling weapons, you're like, all right, yeah. how is this going to unfurl, yeah, right? Like, I'll, this is not. Take all of them. <laughs> yeah. One of the scenes that happens right after this that I thought was really good, right? I fucking... So there's this scene in the middle of this that I love, right? So Anna's drug-dealing boyfriend, right, actually gets penned for this crime, right? They find the gun. They go to his house, and he claims they found other things, which I was like, is that like child porn or what, right? Because the dad (laughs) mentions he dated her young, and why wouldn't he just say they found my stash, something like that? Anywho, right? Casting dispersions on him. So the dad's kind of like, good, fuck that guy. And we have a family row, right? And she's like, that's not David. David died. They have this fight, right? And Anna's like, let's get this fucking truth out there, right? Not knowing that she's playing with this fucking shark from Jaws, right? She's just fucking with this guy. I love how they framed it, right? Because they put a counter right between David and the rest of the family who's in, like, the family room, right? Mm -hmm. And everything David does, he's kind of pointing and holding this gigantic shining butcher's knife, right? And so the truth is so fucking plainly in front of these people's faces and they refuse to acknowledge it. What did you think as this was going on? Um, it's, it was, it just keeps getting worse and worse until it's like actually the knife going through the mother's stomach. Oh, Um, the whole, the whole, like he is telling, there's always like, there's so much, um, there's these hints from the beginning that he gets there. So when he gets there, he said that he walked the whole way. And she's like, that's like two states over. How did you walk this whole time? And yeah. so, you know, you're talking about maybe somebody's just exaggerating. And then yeah. um, at one point he says he like doesn't sleep. He hardly ever sleeps. Um, uh, He drinks. The father's like, oh, you can hold your liquor. And then he has like, he pulls the evil dead moves. And, yeah. it's, like, and you definitely things. cannot, as a guy that skinny, hold two kegs like that. <laughs> Yeah, as yeah, a former was- bouncer, that is not possible. Those things are fucking heavy. <laughs> it's all these weird things where it's like, how did he do that? And 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 it's they're not like he didn't, you know, fly over <laughs> or anything. It's just like all these things that make everybody just kind of like, oh, yeah. that's weird. That's yeah. weird. But nobody questions it, or if yeah. they do, they don't actually outright do it. They play play the game in their head, like, okay, well, maybe. Maybe he well, that's another politeness him. thing, right? You don't want to call someone a liar right to their face. And when she does, he ha- he comes up with a story for it. I think she says, like, the original David is dead. And he's like, oh, I'm special ops. And yeah, like, oh, okay. he hands the dog tags over on the knife. On the knife. Which I was like, my, me which visually as a weird. horror movie watcher. Yeah, you're like, he probably killed a guy and took those fucking dog tags. Like, <laughs> that doesn't prove anything. It's, <laughs> a, it's a really interesting scene. And that's. Again, what I do love about Adam Wingard, he's going artsy without going all the way where it's mm-hmm. just, you know, beating you over the head. It's just something as subtle as an island in between that. And yeah. the knife is pointing at, he's pointing at these family members. He's talking with them while he's basically coming up with a story. Mm-hmm. And she has no other choice but to accept it. And everybody else is, because everybody else in the room is eager to accept it. You kind of almost have to accept it yourself. The dad telling her to fucking apologize. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, what the fuck? You know what else, too? The second time you watch the movie, that scene is so much scarier 
because we realize what's happening in David's mind is that his programming is kicking in. Do I have to kill these people because my cover has been blown? Oh, that's a good point. And so that scene is so much fucking scarier once you kind of get to the end of the movie, right? I'll even say this. this. Tell me this is not a horror movie scene, right? Right after that fight, she runs to her room, right? Or we see the scene where she's in her room. David comes in. And it, there is this whole conversation where he's like, oh, did you make my CD for me? Oh, my goodness. Thank you. You know, for his burnt CD for David. The subtext of that scene is, I will be gone in a couple days, and if you fuck this up, I'm going to murder your family. That is as scary a scene as you can find, right? Imagine being a teenager and being in that scenario. That's fucking horrifying. It's, it is horrifying, and it's... Again, he does that that strange play thing. Like he's coming into her room. Yeah, he's making himself at home. Uh, he's he's touching like like is this for me? Now it's mine. Yeah. Like obviously she wasn't gonna give it to you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna have to put some other tracks on there about naughty boys. <laughs> like not for David. Yeah, for David, who's so not cool now. <laughs> It's all vanilla ice. That's it. No, uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how many of those I have in my my car trunk. But <laughs> the, the generation today that will miss because I'm actually old enough that the first time I ever did that, it was on cassette tape. No, oh. right. I would record stuff off the radio and make mixes that way because you'd only hear your songs every so often. So you knew when the radio show would change and you're like, all right, once this hour, I'm going to get the song I want. And you'd record it so you'd have it. And then you're like, I got to make a, a duplicate of my tape so I can tell my friends what's cool. So, but I, I'll tell you this. I know everyone's like in love with physical media again. I don't really care about physical media as much. That kind of thing though, right? Being able to kind of feel that curatorship and share something physical with someone else. I think that's the joy of it. More than just like, oh, cool. I have another Blu-ray to put on a shelf and collect dust. But yes, neither here nor there. That's a bit of a divergence. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I think that's a, a really fucking cool scene. Right. And and again, because they're not talking about the subtext of the scene. Right. It maintains this kind of fun gallop. It doesn't last long for our poor family. Right. Because um, this is when essentially the soldiers show up. And mm -hmm. this is a fucking wonderful scene. David's just out there helping the mom with some laundry. Right. He just got Luke out of suspension. You know, tough talk and the principal. You know, the principal kind of has that red flag. Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. All right. Before we can even address that, right? We He's go back to the family. House. Yeah. And this is when David's like, here, take a knife, stab people, you know, whatever. And you're like, okay, this is not going to go well. It feels like it's going to be more of a kind of domestic scary movie, right? A hand that rocks the cradle, the stepfather, something like that. Mm. This is when the movie just takes the fucking hardest detour, you know, and decides this is actually going to be a super soldier movie, right? He's doing laundry. Um, I love that line. He just went inside the, the, you know, sheet whips aside like a, like an old Hong Kong action movie, a John Woo movie. And next thing you know, the fighting is on. Um, I thought this was fucking hilariously fun until the moment that makes me furious. Every time I watch this movie, I hope it's going to go a different way. Uh, David is in the mom with the kitchen, right? The shootouts happened. He's been shooting his way out of trouble. The mom's in the kitchen, right? And this is a twofold heartbreaking moment, right? One, I love that she's like, what's going on? Dan's like, I don't have time. Or David's like, I don't have time to explain. And I was like, brilliant. Don't waste time explaining. Just keep the fun up. 
she asked him one of the most heartbreaking questions of the movie, which was, because he's like, I'm sorry, I haven't been honest. My goodness, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she just goes, did you even know my son? And it's such a weird question to ask at this moment of the film, right? Dead bodies are beginning to pile up. There's a shootout in your kitchen. All she can think about was, did you really know my son? What do you think she's really asking him in that moment? I, I think it, I think it's just it's just that because that is the only thing that's on her mind is like, did like was this all just fake? I, I don't even think that cares that it was fake. Uh, yeah. I think she just really wanted to know how like what what happened to my son? Yeah what like did you actually know him was what you were saying all a big yeah. big ruse uh you know and i think it's obvious at that point that it pretty much is but yeah. or who's to say he didn't know the son i think that he says he was in a picture with the son so yeah it's feasible that they know right, each yeah. other yeah yeah i had to think about that for a second so yeah he i mean was the son one of the, like one of the test subjects that was you know eliminated um which is another horrible thing to think of <laughs> dad yeah. um it, it's a horrible moment it's terrible i think it it's a real real gut punch um yeah. because i like you said you don't think it's gonna happen every time you rewatch it you're oh hoping there's a different outcome, like a choose your own story kind of a thing but um but it's not and it's a, one of those movie moments that like really goes all day. um it's not like she like he was like in the kitchen with her and she was dying from some like you know like shoot like like she wasn't like a collateral damage or anything mm -hmm. like that which would happen in a lot of movies um he, he's the one that actually has to kill her yeah. um and you know for a second there it's almost like he he's not going to but then he he does yeah. Um, and I think that that's pretty cool too, because again, he's the, you think he's going to be the good kind of anti-hero and he's, he's there to do what he's got to do and get out of there. Um, yeah. and that's upsetting, but it's the harsh reality. It's so just simple and matter of fact too. It's not like a grandiose movie death. It's just a, yeah. like even just the sound, just dunk. and that's yeah. it, man. Just that simple to put this poor fucking woman's lights out. You know, this lady who we've seen struggle with everything in that last moment, she's like, just please tell me I didn't do all this rewriting of, you know, my story with my son for nothing. It's just such a fucking horribly sad sentiment. And yeah, she just gets dropped, right? And then, but two minutes later in the movie, he sees the dad coming home, kind of singing and, you know, tapping away in his car. <laughs> Hits him fucking head on. Gets out of the car and just does the same thing. I wish this could have gone another way, sir. <laughs> Shoots him. It's so simple and matter of fact, right? These are not, they're not monologuing. There's no, you know, why are you doing this to my family? It's just, it's so easy for him to just erase a human being. And I think, again, that kind of puts us back in that grief headspace. I, I, thought, I thought it was just brutally effective, these, these decisions he's making well yeah one it's it's that like we're reaching the end of the hill with the snowball um and it's like you said that he's like a, like he's like jaws he's like a human shark and he's just bare like from this from the point that he um kills that poor woman 
to the end of the movie he just kind of barrels through everybody yeah and and it it's there's no there's no like nuance to it no. there's no there's no like sweetness to it or even like no. any emotion to it at all it's just <laughs> you're like you're disposable to him and yeah. that's that's when you're like oh yeah i'm not in a lifetime movie i'm in a horror movie and yeah. <laughs> no, it is. Well, just even that diner scene right he just comes in here's this girl who thought he was her protector he's like oh god i have to kill another one shoots yeah. her <laughs> and then the weirdest deployment of Chekhov's grenades i think when he took the grenades you're like i know he's gonna blow something up why he blew up this poor fucking sad diner i have no idea the double overkill grenade explosion it was just I mean, I guess that's what they say, right? Maybe to create some, you know, madness so that, you know, people are distracted. Mm. But I was like, why does he hate this fucking diner so much? <laughs> Poor people in that diner. If you're going to die anywhere, you want it to be at a diner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just stuffing my face with biscuits and gravy. And you're like, well, if I have to go, I want to go doing what I love. <laughs> but I always feel bad for the girl because she's just, um, she's just there waitressing. She doesn't her and yeah and she gets uh she gets taken out pretty quick and then kind of just watching which yeah. i think is really funny because he shoots her and there's a few seconds in between but nobody does anything and he's a and then he you know throws those grenades like gotta kill you guys sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's i don't so like that it's like an inconvenience to him almost yeah. <laughs> I'm wasting my grenade god like, damn it it's tuesday <laughs> afternoon and i gotta deal with this shit <laughs> No, it's it's bummer, man. Like, she's another one where you're like, why her, right? And then we get the teacher who gets his throw sliced. You're like, why the teacher, man? I thought we were going to do, like, grenades in the pants of the KPI guys that made him shit like that. He's really just taking out these, like, normal folks. Um, I will say, though, I was jealous as shit of this school. Because I was like, I've been to a lot of proms and dance. I'm like, why do they have the greatest haunted house? <laughs> <laughs> as the walkway into their fucking Halloween dance. I was so fucking jealous of that. Yeah, the season of the witch setup. <laughs> yeah, the three Halloween three mask. That was awesome. It definitely speaks to the uh the mind control aspect of the movie. Oh, good call. Man. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. It's really cool, but it also yeah. is that like aesthetic that is I think it's one of those things where it's so sm small and subtle, but that's what makes it a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Uh it's I don't I don't even know how to explain it, but you're but you know, horror fans are going to go wild when they see that. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, it's just the slightest bit of fan service that yeah. I think is just perfect because you're like, yeah, I want to see those three masks. And it, that makes for one of the, like one of my favorite shots in all yeah. of cinema is him just standing there in the middle with the lights going and, you know, it's beautiful Stevens. And then you have season of the witch in the background and you yeah. have like the synth music going and you've got the, the neon lighting. Is there anything else better than that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to it's hard to argue that at the moment, yeah. <laughs> but it's just it is it's a very appealing place to have this final showdown. Again, though, the movie stops to do this really nice human interaction, right, with Anna and Luke. Because right before all this went down, Luke had told Dan or David, right, Dan and David, David, <laughs> all about Anna's plans, right. She's like, she knows about a cosmetic surgeon. I think you killed these guys, but I don't care. We're friends devastatingly brutal moment right because we know what's up when anna tells him 
that their parents are dead and David killed them, right? I was at a WGA screening for Contagion before the world actually became the scariest thing ever. <laughs> and Matt Damon was there talking about his research he did with the CDC guys and whatever. Um, and I'll never forget, he was like, he was talking to this emergency room doctor about what it's like when people pass away, right? Because there's that scene in the movie when he's like, your wife, Gwyneth Paltrow, died, blah, blah, And he can't process that she died, right? He keeps asking her questions. And he said these doctors would say things, you know, like, uh, your significant other has passed away. And people be like, all right, cool. Can I bring them their jacket? They might be cold. Like, it takes them a while to put that in their brain, that that person now doesn't exist in their space. Um, and it was really haunting when he told me that, or not me, like we were like fucking having beers, right? It was a, a theatrical Q&A. So <laughs> me and my old friend, Matt, we were talking about haunting doctor stories. No, um, but when Luke hears this, right, I think you see the last like bit of Luke kind of melt out. And he just hides behind that barrel. And it is tragic because not only does he realize he lost his parents as well, but also he lost this potential replacement big brother that he was bonding with a lot. Right. This guy who he aspired to be, it seemed. And it it just melted my heart. And I love the fact that Adam Wingard's like, let's freeze the movie for a second in this giant finale 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 i don't know what's happening the longer we go <laughs> uh to stop and just have this really human moment i think that is the the kind of secret weapon of this movie honestly oh definitely you see him do that in a like he's done that it, like you see it a lot in um you're next which mm -hmm. is really cool um it, it bringing that human element to it is definitely going to keep your attention it's going to keep the audience going um, it's it's heartbreaking. It's terrible because this kid's already been through so much. Every single person in this family has been through so much, and um, he's and the stuff that you think has been helpful has not real. It, it's just almost like a band aid. Uh, it's like that meme where the guy like slaps the black tape over the yeah. <laughs> the big giant thing of yeah. water bad marriage uh, let's have a kid yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let me just fix this really quick with yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much what he's been doing this entire yeah movie. but it's actually just caused he's just more stress and more horror and terror than they've ever known um yeah. so it's it's really upsetting that luke lost both parents that's like I mean, after all he's been through and, you know, like that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. It definitely would be in my case. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to be useless now. Yeah. The rest of the movie. But he's not. He it actually almost kind of triggers that. OK, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back for him where he does yeah. go from being child to man. Like, OK, this guy has who he thought was his friend. You know, he's had all these people who he knows are not his friends that have bullied him his whole life. Now person has come in and befriended him and he bully of all mm -hmm. he's he's done the worst to him and so now i think he takes that that advice that david gave him and takes it to the next level which is unfortunately where we have our our last scene where yes. he's the one that has to take care of david himself yeah i mean he has this moment right where he's got to destroy this idea that who he thought David was, or he's going to lose his sister. He's going to lose the last person he cares about. Um, and that scene is great, right? They've got the universal movie fog on the floor when she shoots him and he disappears under it. Awesome. Like yeah. that's just a fucking wonderful horror movie moment. Love that. 
right? But I thought the way he gets defeated by Luke was really interesting, right? Because he turns to him, he's just like, hey, Luke. And it feels like he could easily fuck Luke up and disarm him if he wanted, right? He doesn't. He lets Luke stab him in the heart after he stabbed him in the back, right? And as he goes down, he has this line, right? Like, you did the right thing. I don't blame you. Um, I don't know if he says, like, I'm proud. Of you. Don't feel bad, right? And he puts a thumb don't up. Don't feel bad. And you're like, what the fuck is that? Why did he let Luke off, right? And I had this moment where I, I had to wonder, right? Because he had said this thing when he killed the mom, right? I really thought I could help while I was here. I wanted this to go a different way. I don't know if I believed him at all. <laughs> In that small moment there with Luke, though, I think maybe the movie's telling us that with Luke, maybe he did see something of himself or a brother he missed or never had. Do you think that he paused because he knew otherwise he was going to have to kill Luke? Right, because they say something that he's programmed to do everything. Yeah, so conditioned it's just... and programmed to protect his identity in the program. So he's going to do anything, but maybe it was his last ditch effort to kind of like, you know, take control over the program. Like there was something, I mean, this guy was a soldier, so he does have, he has that pride and he has that empathy and he has that protective spirit in him. Um. So, and whatever they did to him was after that fact. So mm-hmm. um. he, he ha- already has that, you know, he's, I want to, I, I am going to assume all soldiers are good people until they prove me wrong. So you want to, you want to assume that soldiers are good people, obviously, yeah. of course. Um, so you know that, that he was a good person before all this. And maybe that was that good person just trying to hold on and, yeah. and, and make that last, last ditch effort to kind of protect this kid and let him, let him and Anna get away from him. So yeah. He, you know, to the, the cool Halloween dance set. Yeah. It's a, it's a really nice personal touch, right? Cause the movie never elaborates a lot on like what happened, right? Did they put a monster in David or did they just unleash the monster that was in David? Right. The movie doesn't tell us that in this small moment though, we see that whatever way this happened, he's formed this bond with at least this kid. Right. So there is something in him that still has a, a modicum of goodness, right? And I thought it was really sweet, man. It was a it was a cool ending, and obviously we get our really fun ending where at the end he's limping and he's walking in the fireman's outfit, right? The sexiest fireman also in town now, <laughs> right? Calendar material. And she just goes, what the fuck? And the movie just hard ends, right? Which I also thought was great, right? Is that about to be a massacre? Did he do enough <laughs> to protect himself that he can just go his merry way? We don't need to know. I, I know we talked about this. We both love the Sopranos ending. And people were fucking furious about that. And I wish more stories would leave a little more on the table, right? I like the idea that after I've spent all these seasons with a guy, I don't just sit there and watch him and his family brutally murdered in a diner. The fact that there's still Soprano episodes out there that are happening that maybe someday I'll be lucky enough to see is like a weirdly nice thought in my mind, right? Um, I don't think a movie needs to perfectly tie everything up with bows. And I also don't think it needs a fucking sequel. I just think this is a really fun, perfect ending to the ride we've been on. Definitely. That's what, one of the reasons why I like the guest, um, is that it's a really good standalone movies, uh, or standalone movie. I know I wrote, um, I wrote a piece a long time ago about standalone movies and I 
wound up realizing like all the ones that I put in there are like some of my favorite movies. And I'm like, Oh, I have nothing against sequels. I love sequels. I love reboots. I love remakes. Like I, I, anything I can get my eyes on that I think I'm going to enjoy. I love too, but there's something special about being able to craft a story that doesn't to continue Mm -hmm. um, and leaves a little bit imagination because that's kind of like where like if you were to stop if the credits were to roll right now on what me and you are doing you're gonna go off and do your thing I'm gonna go off and do mine so I mean I think it gives it like that there's a real quality to it which is which is fun and then sometimes when movies try to explain everything and tie everything all together they wind up kind of falling apart at the end that's yeah you know you never hate you never hear of people hating movies because of the beginning or because of the middle you always hear people hate movies because the ending sucked right so, or they get mad that the sequel came and fuck something up they liked because yeah. in the inevitably <laughs> they do kind of mold together right of course, uh, the matrix absolutely. conundrum right <laughs> so yeah well they're trying to make up for the shitty ending so yeah. if you just don't end it bad yeah hey <laughs> david mamet said before he was a obnoxious guy online he said, when you write a story, he's like, cut the first 15 pages off and the last 15 pages off. And that's the story of the movie. <laughs> There's something to leaving things up to the imagination. Um, I thought this was such a not only a fun movie, right? This has that kind of perfect degree of camp and silliness that it's a really fun movie to watch. But again, it's it's layered on this really strong base of these these kind of deep concepts of grief and loss and loneliness um, I think that little extra human is something that I did not expect in this movie when it started, right? Um, I kind of expected the goofy ride to come. I did not expect to really find this this deep well of emp- empathy in myself for these characters. Um, so just as a final closing statement, what about this movie just keeps you coming back? Uh, it's Dan Stevens. <laughs> no. Okay, check number one on the list, right? He is the Thor of this movie. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Dan Stevens, and it's the like the the incredible cinematography. It's the awesome synth music that's not two eighties, but it's just perfect enough to make it modern. It's you know Monroe. It's the the writing is impeccable. It's just you know it's clean it's cut well it's there's no it really trims the fat it's a it sounds like like you're talking about dan stevens as well yeah (laughs) Yeah. clean and trim and cut the fat (laughs) steamy hot shower (laughs) yeah this movie's kind of like a steamy hot shower scene it's just it's a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) just rolls off the the abs but (laughs) it's got it's got that like that little X factor that we're always kind of looking for, or at least for me, it does in the movie. Um, it's got like you know, it's got heroism in it. It's got villainy in it. It's it's got that empathy. It's got sadness, and then it's got fun. Like then there's a bunch of times where you're laughing at it. Yeah. Um. So it's it's one of the movies that I like to recommend to people who I don't horror threshold is because Mm. it's it's like we talked about before it's not necessarily a hundred percent all horror Mm. it's it's yeah it's uh, it's moderate at best um but i think if if i if it's somebody who a couple of you know pretty scenes um i'm gonna recommend this movie to them oh yeah like you know i wouldn't recommend like antichrist to somebody i would recommend 
I made that mistake. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this movie was awesome. And my buddy's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I was like, right. oh, sorry. <laughs> like, it's <Yeah>. scary. <laughs> well, this one has that. Yeah, you get the, the sad mom stab. You get the awesome fucking evil dead fight scene. You also get him. Uh, you're just not into that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he whips around the bed. You're like, so it is. It's just it's fun and it's exciting. And it's really fucking scary, like much scarier than I think people give it credit for. So that's it. <laughs> For the guest, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we absolutely did. Uh, would you like to tell the people one more time uh, where they can find your stuff on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram um, at jjrow 7 and it's J-A-Y-J-A-Y-R-O-S-E-7. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for making the time. I know it's not easy with a very new baby at home. Congratulations on that as well. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, when you want to come back for uh, Devil's Candy, you let us know and we'll be ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you tomorrow for another exciting horror movie podcast. Bye. <laughs>